This is a free download from Delancey Healing Church. We meet every Sunday at 10.30 in Delancey Healing Church building at the Banks St. Samson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us or free downloads, please visit our website at delanceyhealing.co.uk. talked about the first the repentant heart the, the heart that's quickly to, you know I think one of the keys is to be quickly to repent that's just an incredible hard attitude to have that you just quickly put it right you know you don't hold on to things you, you just put those things right you you quickly repent there's a there's a hard attitude there that you just quickly want to put things right and and we talked about the circumcision now that God causes our hearts as we do that to be soft and tender Last time we looked at the, the hungry heart. What a key that is. It's, I think it's so much the key of so much that, that our hearts are just hungry for God, more and more for God. God can never take you beyond your hunger. The more hungry you are for God, the more here work in your life. Hunger creates a capacity for God. I say for hunger is a, it's a sign really of, of your spiritual growth because if you've got no hunger and no desire, that's evidence that something somewhere's wrong. I only find that in the physical realm. When you lose your appetite, for me personally anyway, if I lose my appetite, I'm, serious, I'm in a serious way, I'll tell you that right now. <laughs> because hunger is a, is a reflection of what's physically what's going on, it's the same spiritually. If we, if we lose our desire for more of God, then something spiritual is wrong. And that's what the enemy does, he, it allows things to come into our life that quench our hunger. Other things take the place of hunger for God. Things of the world, all the influences around us begin to grab our hearts and, and they begin to, to quench our hunger because you can't have a hunger for God if you're filled with so many other things. I said last week, remember that? You know, when your mum used to say, when you couldn't eat your dinner, if you had sweets, whatever you had, if you had crunchy bars or Mars bars or or salt and vinegar crisps before you came. And because you often fill yourself with kind of rubbish, you lose your appetite. And that's true spiritually. If we fill our lives with other things, then it quenches the hunger for God. This morning I want to talk about having a humble heart. Uh, a heart of humility. James 4. I just want to read from a few verses there. Verse 6. And it's one of these things. The more I studied it, the more I thought, Lord, I need more. It's one of these things you realise more and more of your own need of it in your own life. So this is not me sort of kind of getting at you. I'm aware God has to kind of continue work this in me. Uh, James 4, verse 6. But he gives more grace, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, or in light of that, Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning, your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of God, and he will lift 
you up. That's such an incredible verse. How many remember a song a lot of years ago? Lord, it's hard to be humble when I'm perfect in every way. I remember that song. It's hard to be humble when I'm perfect in every way. And that's a kind of, it was a kind of bit of a jokey kind of song and we all kind of related a little bit to it in many ways. But there's a truth in that because humility, true humility of heart it's actually not a, an easy thing to attain. It's something that we've got to grow and allow God to develop us in it. You know, it's interesting that humility, or having a humble heart, is one of the most mentioned subjects in the Bible. And yet, it's very rarely mentioned. I looked at books, how many books? Very few books have actually been written on humility. Isn't that amazing? And yet it's one of the most mentioned subjects in the Bible. The book of Proverbs is full of it. It speaks of the blessing of humility and the destructive tendencies of pride. And so the Bible is full of the importance of developing a heart of humility. I kind of believe, actually, with all my I believe this very strongly. If we are to see an incredible wave or move of God, one of the keys to that will be humility. Doesn't the Bible say that? If my people, who are called by my name, will turn from their wicked ways and will humble themselves. I will come and I will heal the land. I will revive the land. I will pour out my spirit on the land. If we would develop a humility of heart, it opens the way for God to come. You see, when pride comes in, it replaces our dependency on God. Because ultimately, humility, if you want a a, a true definition of it, humility is learning to be dependent on God. Where pride is the result of not depending on God. If you look a bit further down in James, it says in verse 11, it speaks there that... uh, It says, say verse 14, it says, say verse 13, Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, yes, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapour. Pierce for a little time and vanishes away. In other words, a humility of heart acknowledges God in absolutely everything. Every decision, every step, every single thing that you do, humility recognises and depends on God. Pride in its true essence relies and depends on itself. That's the essence of pride. It's self-reliance. Humility is reliance and total dependency on God. Proverbs 16, I think it is, verse 18 says, that pride comes before a fall. In other words, people fall in life because they act independently. They want to do things without God. 
They want to do things their way, in, on their terms, in their own ability and their own strength, and that is, in essence, pride. And that is what causes many people in life to fall because they're doing so many things in life without depending on God. But humility grows when they say, God, I'm totally dependent on you. Those of you who've got children, or some of you who've got the babies, uh, I'm preparing you for this. I'm preparing you for this point. You know, usually it kind of begins from the twos and probably goes on then for the rest of your life. But it's after the twos where they, they, the kids begin to grow this sense of, of independence. You know, I can do that. You try and tie their shoelaces. I can do that myself. I can do this. I can do that. And almost, from the, from, even from a child, there's this side that I can do it myself. That independence. Remember that, parents? That independence that wants to all itself. And many people live their whole lives like that. Constantly always depending on themselves. Depending on their own ability, on their own strength, on their own intellect, on their own wisdom, on their own ways. And the Bible says that always lends, that tends to lend to often a destruction in life. But humility brings incredible blessings to our lives. The Bible says that, that where we have an attitude of humility, God gives grace. Isn't that wonderful? So the vital thing about having a heart of humility means that the, the more humility works in my heart, then the more that God will release grace. What is grace? God, grace is God's supernatural ability in place of your ability. Grace is, is God empowering you to do what you could not do yourself. And Paul realised that lesson. He said, you know what? I prayed three times and besought the Lord to remove this thorn of the flesh. But then God said to me, my grace is sufficient. Because in weakness, my strength is perfected. Because in the midst of my sense of luck, in the midst of my sense of inability, in my sense that I don't feel I can do it, and I come in weakness and lack, in the moment that happens, then God says, I'm going to release grace. Grace that is going to empower you and strengthen you and give you the ability to do what you could not normally or naturally do. It's a kind of strange thing. But when you think you can't do it, then God gives you the ability to do it. When you think you can do it, then often you limit God's ability to give you, to enable you to do it. And there's this kind of sense that when we just come and say, God, you call me to do something and I don't feel I've got the ability or the resources or the power to do it. At that point, actually, that doesn't disqualify you. It qualifies you. We often think that when God calls us to do something, that if we haven't got the ability or the talents or the resources to do it, we think that disqualifies us. In fact, it qualifies you. The more weak you feel in yourself to do it, the stronger God will work in and through you. I find that time and time again. After me, even before a morning meeting, when I spent, you know, I'm, 
As a, as a sense, I don't feel I can do it. And the more I feel that way, the greater God works. But when I turn up and think I can do it, then it limits what God can do. And we need to have that attitude all the time in life, saying, God, I'm reliant, I'm dependent on you for absolutely everything. And the moment that heart attitude is developed, God comes. Can you say amen? Because he gives grace to those who are what? Humble. Oh, that's powerful. Amen. Turn me to Psalms 18, verse 27. Psalm 18 and just verse 27. It tells us that for he will save the humble people He will bring down haughty looks. In other words, it's this incredible law. If we don't feel that we we need God, and we try to live a life independent of God, we're kind of fall. But when there's this sense that, God, it's your grace. See, that's how you got saved, is that right? That's how you came into salvation. You realize you could not save yourself. There was nothing in you that could actually save yourself from your condition. Now, before you reach that point, then God couldn't work in your life. Is that right? You see, someone, if you like, comes into an encounter of a born-again experience is when they realize only Jesus can save me. He's the only one who can save me. I cannot save myself. And for all the years of struggling and striving, you come to an end of yourself and say, God, I need you. I can't do it. I need you to save me. I realize I'm a sinner. I realize I failed you. Please forgive me. And that's how you come into Christ. Is that right? Now, here's the point. We almost have to keep that attitude for the whole of our Christian life. That we continually experience the saving work of God. And it seems to me, as I more I've looked at this, it's almost pride seems to be a sin that God particularly hates. There's nowhere in the Bible, for example, that it says God resists the thieves or God resists this or that. It's the only thing that the Bible says that God resists the proud. Isn't that powerful? What a powerful thing. And in the Greek that means... It means that God sets himself, as a picture, as an army general with full battle array behind him. It's almost that like God says, where there's pride working and moving in the human heart, I set myself against it. I'm like an army general rising up against what I see, an attitude and spirit of pride. And we can be proud about all kinds of things proud about our giftings, proud about our talents, proud about our accomplishments. Even the very gifts and abilities God gives us, we can take pride in them, forgetting where they've come from. Isn't it amazing that God uses us in some way and we realise that, we recognise that, and suddenly after a time, pride can so easily come in. Because there's the thing, we actually think it's all about, it's something to do with us, that's where we lose it. We actually think it's something to do with us. We realise that actually everything I have, everything I've become, is all from God's 
grace and mercy. Can you say amen? Why is it that God really particularly hates sin? Sorry, hates pride. Why is that? Have a thought about it. You know what I believe it is? Because pride was the thing that ruined God's universe. The Bible says that in the beginning there was three archangels. Gabriel, Michael, and the third one was Lucifer. We're told he was the most beautiful of all God's created beings. He was the worship leader in heaven. The word, he shone, he was beautiful. And the Bible says pride entered his heart. Pride really was the original first sin. And pride entered it because of his beauty, pride entered his heart. And he began to refuse to give God the glory. And Isaiah speaks how he was thrown out of heaven. The Bible says a third of the angels fell with him. Have you thought about this? That means pride is so powerful it affects and influences other people. In other words, if I've got pride in my heart, it affects and influences anyone in my environment around me. It influences other people. A third of the angels fell. The good news is two-thirds are still on our side. Can you say amen? That's the point. But the point was that pride was that original sin that polluted and affected heaven. Isaiah 14 records it. And it says five times that Lucifer said, I will ascend. I will, I will, I will, I will. Which shows the very root of pride because pride is all about I will, I will do this, I will do that. It's all about me and selfishness being at the very centre of, of what I do rather than making Jesus the centre, the reliance one in our hearts. That's why the Bible says you can't love the world and God at the same time. Do you know one of the elements of the world, the Bible says, is it's the pride of life. That's one of the elements and the things of this world, the pride of life. Look at Philippians 2, 3, because here's the the thing. This is is one of my favourite verses in the Bible. No, we'll come back there in a moment, okay? Save that in a moment. I'll come back to that in a moment. Let me just give you a very, let me give you a kind of definition of what pride is, really. Really, let me give, let me say what humility is. Humility, really, is understanding the reality of who you really are. Humility is seeing yourself as you truly are. The Bible says, don't think too highly of yourself. Have a true estimation of who you are. And humility is is recognising, really, a true perspective of who you are. Now, humility does not mean speaking down about yourself. You know, I'm useless, I'm no good, I'm pathetic, I'm utterly, totally useless, I can't do anything. You know, that is not humility. Often that is false humility. And often it flows out of insecurity, flows out of fear. It doesn't come out of a heart of humility. 
Humility, actually, a true view of yourself is that you see yourself as God sees you. God says you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. God says you're, you're a new creation. God says you're more than a conqueror. God says that you're an overcomer. And, and the Bible declares that we're, we're, we're child of the King. Child of God. Sons of God. Heirs of God in Christ Jesus. So, a humble heart says about itself what God says about it. It's, the Bible says we're priests, we're king. In God, in Christ, I'm a winner. Amen? Outside of Christ, I'm a loser. Let me go see that. It's all about recognising who we are in God's sight. And pride leads to such a false estimation of ourselves that we almost live in a dream world. People just kind of believe in things about themselves that aren't true. They have a false estimation. It causes them to live in some crazy kind of dream world almost. Thinking that there's something, actually they really aren't. And it deceives you. Pride deceives you. Makes you think you actually makes you think that it's something about you. Rather than everything you are and everything you own and everything you do is all a result of God's blessing and God's honour in your life. And so to be humble means you recognise who you are in God's sight. It's recognising who we are. Although let me term it this way. John the Baptist has the perfect attitude, I think, of humility. I must decrease and he must what? Increase. In other words, Christ in you means the more I have of Jesus living big in me, the greater I am in the kingdom. That's what it's about really. It's allowing myself to decrease so that he can increase. And so the quicker we realise without him we can do nothing, the more powerful, the more mightier, the more effective we're going to be. So once that reality kind of burns in us and we recognise that. Someone said this, the way up is always the way down. So if I want to go up, I've got to learn to first of all go down. Empty myself of all my self-strength and all my ways, my own ways of doing things and say, God, I realise and recognise from the very depths of my heart without you, I can't do anything. You see, the other thing about humility is this. It always seeks to bring God the honour, to give Christ the glory, to give Jesus the honour and the glory. You just want to give him all the glory. A humble person realises that everything he has is from him. And as a constant, I say, God, I want you to get all the glory for everything I do. The glory not to come to me, but I want all the glory to go to you. Amen. What a motivating force that becomes. The Bible says that everything Jesus did is I've come to glorify my Father. I want my Father to receive all the glory. 
that's the thing that, that grips my heart and motivates my heart, is that he will get all the glory. I'll change this. That he will get all the glory. One of the most powerful prophecies I think I ever heard I remember years ago by a man called Alex Buchanan, many, many years ago. And he's just in a meeting, he said this, and he kind of just kind of really got a hold of me. He said that in the glory of God, there are no human fingerprints. Isn't that powerful? There's no human fingerprints on the glory of God. Because the moment we want to take the glory, then we, we rob God of it. But a humble heart is always seeking to give God the glory. See, a proud person doesn't give anyone the glory but themselves because they don't think anybody else deserves it but them. But a humble heart is always seeking to give God the glory. Now, here's what I want you to see. You know what humility does? Humility is a place that positions you for something. I think... It, it, creates, it, it, it enables you to position yourself for God to bless your life. I love what C.H. Spurgeon said. I love this. He says, God keeps his best wine in the lowest part of the cellar. Isn't that cool? In other words, the further down I go, the more I humble myself, the more I position myself for God to pour his love on me, to pour his joy upon me, to pour his peace upon me, to pour signs and wonders and miracles through me. Because there's the issue. He says a lot of things that God can't do is because often he can't trust us with certain things. How many of us would give their kind of three or four year old, you know, here are the keys to my car. (laughs) Or here's my motorbike, you know, off you go. We wouldn't do that because we don't really trust them with that kind of power. And here's the thing. God can only trust a humble heart with his power. He can only trust a humble heart with, with the mighty things he wants to. Because if the heart is not humble, then the heart would want to take the glory for it. But a humble heart positions itself for God to work and move through it. Can you say amen? position for God to move upon it. God to work. And instead of looking, sometimes when we humble ourselves, that's where God can bring the breakthrough. I can honestly say from the depth of my heart, I've never yet come to a place of really humbling myself where I've not seen God respond and bring an amazing breakthrough. I remember many, many, well, a few years ago, a man called Randy Clark was preaching. He was, he was one of the first, lead, one of the authors, one of the beginnings of, of the Toronto when it came. And he preached the most incredible message that just, it's so, got a hold of my heart. It really, and almost, I thought to myself, the moment that guy gives an appeal, I'm going to be room right there at the front. But he didn't just say, come to the front. He says, come and kneel at the front. And it was a minister's conference, which kind of all makes it a little bit, even more awkward, a little bit. But I just, did, I just went forward and I just knelt at the front and suddenly I became aware that I was the only one there. And it just seemed to be like eternity. And almost in your mind you're thinking, what are people going to think about me? What are they going to look on? And suddenly I felt the word Lord say, 
It doesn't matter one iota what somebody else thinks about you. Ultimately, it's what God thinks. Doesn't that hold people back? Sometimes we are so concerned of the way people think about us, or what people might think about us, we don't always respond. What's that in essence? It's pride, isn't it? Pride brings resistance. Humility brings what? Grace. How many want a a heart of humility? Humility always looks to God, the supplier. Pride will always look to other things as their resources. They will look look to people. They will look to all kinds of other means to meet their needs, to, to see other things as their resources. A humble heart will always look to God for their dependency. Okay, look at Philippians now. Let's just look at this verse again. It's one of my favorite verses. I just... Two verses. Philippians 2, verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not out for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant, and coming in the likeness of men, and being found in appearances of man, he humbled himself, and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now go to Matthew 11. We'll be forward there. And verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. My yoke is easy, and my burden is is light. Isn't that powerful? Now, the thing like that, Philippians 2, when you get a hold of this, it says about Jesus that he emptied himself. Theologians use this term, kenosis. And it means that that Jesus, he didn't surrender any of his deity, but he willingly took on the limitations of humanity. He was both fully God and fully man. And he, if you like, limited himself to the limitations of humanity. I think this is so amazing. He who was worshipped by angels. He lived in the very glory, the very awesomeness of heaven itself. The Bible says he was in the bosom of the Father. Knew the Father's heart. Lived in the, in the awesomeness of eternity and glory. That same person left the very glory of heaven. And the Bible says he took on human flesh. That human flesh that would be tore off him. He'd be covered, not in the glory of, of the worship of angels, but will be covered in the, in the spit of men. Nails will be smashed through his hands. Thorns will be smashed upon his head. His body covered with blood and spit and, and mockery. And the Bible says he did all that. And the only way he was able to do that was because he 
humbled himself. Even unto... And the Bible terms Jesus, and this is so awesome, he actually calls himself the friend of sinners. He didn't come in arrogance or pride. He didn't come to condemn people, but rather in love and power and acceptance, he came to set them free. Can you say amen? And of all the descriptions that Jesus could have used of himself, this is the description he uses in Matthew 11. I am lonely of heart. In other words, he says, the description above all else that I want you to see that, that I have is I am a person of humility. And he says, take that yoke. Learn from my humility. Have this mind in you that was in Christ Jesus. And he says that if we would learn the way of humility, he says these amazing words. He says that He says that it will come. It will give you rest. It will give you rest. I looked at the word, what that word rest means. You know what it means? It means recreation. Intermission, pause, letting down the cords that draw tight. And I love this thought. Humility brings me to a place of rest. Because you know what pride does? You've got to prove yourself. It creates stress, it it creates anxiety, it creates worry. But humility actually brings you to a place of rest. And the actual word is there, it recreates. The, The moment you come to a place where you're resting in God, God begins to recreate things in you. A recreation work of God begins as you find that place of rest. As you come into that place of rest. I think that a lot of turmoil can come, about, can come from pride. Things like, how dare they say that about me? That person didn't acknowledge me. Nobody's going to treat me like that. Ever thought of these things? And we become restless. We become disturbed. Unsatisfied. And we find ourselves in utter, total turmoil. And much of that is that we're so trusting in our own accomplishments, in our own strength, in our own power, in our own ability. But here's what happens. It creates turmoil inside us. We're trying to be something that we just can't be. We're trying to earn people's approval. We're, we're, we're We're trying to do all kinds of things. And all it does is leave us in a place where we just feel worn out and weary. And in turmoil. But it says there, if you would just come to a place of humility, there you're going to find rest. There you're going to find my recreative power working in your life. Can you say amen to that? Pride makes us unwilling to forgive. Makes us unwilling to apologize. Pride makes us unteachable. What a way that can be in people's hearts. They just aren't teachable. Nobody can tell them anything. No one can help them in any way because they become unteachable. Pride causes you to to take pride in your own achievements. Humility makes you realize without Jesus, 
You'll never be all that you can be. You can say amen. I think humility also makes us kind to people. Humble people are not rushed to judge people. You know why? Because they are so acutely aware of their own weaknesses. Amen? So you're not quick to judge people. not quick to condemn people. You're not full of your own opinions. What an incredible thing Facebook is. <laughs> not that I have you, but you'll see opinions for every little detail in life. This is my opinion. This is my view. And we, our world is full of so many opinions. But humility is not all about trying to press our opinions. We want to encourage people. We want to bless people. We want to lift people up. Humility is the heart of servanthood. You want to serve people because humility always brings a place of servant heart. It will cause, you'll be looking for ways to serve. That's what humility does. When, you're, when you have a humility for heart, you want to bless people. You want to serve people. You want to be right there at the forefront of service. Because that's what humility does. It brings you to a place of having a servant heart. Let me give you one last verse. Proverbs 22. Verse 4. How many are going to pray, Lord? This is one of work in me. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honour and life. In other words, the fear of the Lord is, is reverence from his presence. Acknowledging Christ and everything we do. And here's what to see. The Bible says that there is fruit of humility. It says that if, if we have humility, there will be riches and honour and life. In other words, God will bless your life. He will cause honour to come upon you. He will, he will cause life. And, I, and the word there, life, means abundance. You'll experience true abundance of life. It'll be a life that's blessed. It'll be a life that's, that's built up and encouraged. Humility, Baba says, God listens to the, to the humble of heart. There's forgiveness in humility. The proud cover their sins, but the humble confess their sins. There is blessing. There's incredible fruit from a life of humility. Let me just kind of close all these things. Humility will cause us to lift up Jesus more than ourselves. Humility will cause us to decrease and Christ to increase. Humility will serve others rather than be served or control others. Here's one. Humility will make us transparent. Nothing when there's pride in our hearts. What happens? We don't want to be open and transparent. We kind of live behind a mask. We don't want people to see the real us. But humility means that you're just open and you're transparent. You're not covering things up. You're just open and transparent. The real you shines through, if you like. Humility will reveal to the world who they most need. Let me close with this. This is how you really develop humility. The Bible says, clothe yourself. And I was thinking about that when you put a garment on. First of all, you put it over your head. 
So begin to change the way that you think. Think about yourself in the way that God thinks about you. Just have those thoughts in your mind. Then that, that kind of, you put that clothing, it goes over your ears. Be willing to be teachable. Be willing to allow people to speak into your life. It goes over your eyes. True humility comes by looking at Jesus. Focusing your attention on Jesus. Set your eyes on Jesus. And the more I focus on him, the more he will make me humble of heart. Can you say amen? Comes over my mouth. I found this that a humble heart just wants to bless, wants to encourage, wants to stir people up, wants to stir up the treasure in people, wants to sort of cause people to be all that they're meant to be. Then he goes over your shoulders. Because humility means, God, I'm just letting go. I'm not going to try and sort these problems out myself. I'm letting go of them off my shoulders and I'm giving it all to you. Amen. And then he goes right, if you like, over to your feet, over to your legs and your feet. And that means that humility means you just obey God. You do all that God requires you to. Because the Bible says that Jesus showed his obedience by his humility in the way he obeyed God. Everything the Father said for him to do, he obeyed. And I found this, humility really, it, obedience really does need humility. The thing that leads to disobedience will always be pride. Humility will always lead us to a place of obedience because we are submissive to God. Submit yourselves therefore to God. My heart is humble enough to submit myself to him. So I pray these days that God, that we would just have hearts, that we just want to develop this attitude of humility and we will just see amazing things break through and work in our lives. Let's just come before him right now. I wonder if worship band will just come back. You know, interesting what the Bible says. It doesn't say that God humbles you. It says that you humble yourself. The fact is, you wouldn't want God to humble you. Far better to humble yourself. And that's the way you do it. You clothe yourself in it. And I tell you what, the hearts that are humble, God's going to do just such awesome things with. I think in the days in which we're living, we're going to see such a move of God's Spirit. And it'll be the humble heart. The most unlikeliest people are going to be the people who are going to change nations. I really believe that. The most unlikeliest people you could ever think of. It won't be necessarily those with all the great gifts, all the great abilities, all the great talents. It won't be even those who have got the, the greatest communicative skills. It won't be those who have got the, the most charisma. But the people that God will raise up to do amazing things in these last days be those of a humble heart who just have learned the importance of humility in heart and God in that kind of life is going to do amazing things and maybe God will call you to different ways to, to, to humble yourself sometimes it may mean even responding in some way Sometimes it will mean 
forgiving people that you don't want to forgive. Apologizing to people that you don't want to apologize to. Blessing people that you don't want to bless. Encouraging people that, that you don't want to encourage, but because you feel you need encouragement yourself. Whatever it is, you say, God, I just want this fruit, this, this character of humility. Because I want to be like Jesus. And he was humble of heart. I want to be like him. Father, we, we just come before you right now. And I pray right now, would you work that in our hearts today? Help us, Lord, to know the beauty, the wonder, and the, and the power of a humble heart. Lord, we, we pray today that God, uh, that in every single way, that we would develop this humility of heart, this humility of spirit. So, Lord, that we will be positioned for you to do something so awesome and so incredible that this very island will be shaken with people of humble hearts. People that, Lord, have just humbled themselves before the mighty hand of God and your grace has kicked in and, and all kinds of amazing blessings and power and abilities flow in because we've taken the lowest place. And your word says if we humble ourselves and you will exalt us. And that's what our hearts yearn for in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to this free download from Delancey Evening Church. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyevening.co.uk.